from Commander's Palace Restaurant in New Orleans. We're out to lunch with economist and assistant dean of Tulane University's Freeman School of Business, Peter Raschuti. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, and welcome to today's show. I'm Peter Raschuti. Once a week, I have lunch at Commander's Palace and invite guests from the world of New Orleans business to join me. Today, I'm here with Peter Loop and Michael Arada. Peter and Michael both started out in the early days of the New Orleans film business as actors. Michael was also a lawyer and has gone on to finance and produce movies. Uh, Peter became the Louisiana State Film Commissioner and was instrumental in creating the tax credit program that has simply transformed the state and New Orleans into Hollywood South, uh, the biggest film production center in the United States outside of Hollywood, California. We have a limited amount of audience data about who listens to this show, but I do know one thing about you. I know that, like me, you're an expert on movies. Whether you're young, old, rich, poor, black, white, no matter what demographic you're in, there's one ability that is shared by every single American. We can tell immediately on a given opening Friday whether a movie is great or it totally sucks. Michael Arata, Peter Loop, as guys who work in the business end of the movie business, putting together deals to finance and produce movies, what's it like for you on a Friday afternoon? What's it like for you that all the experts on your business and render instant judgment and determine the possible huge success or crushing failure of a movie? Uh, how do you take all that? Well, I guess on a, on a Friday afternoon, it depends on the, the, uh, the, 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 the area of the business that you're in. And we we always want the, uh, a film that we're working on to do well, obviously, because you're only, only as good as, as your last movie. But um, you know, it when something's opening, uh, it's a little. Uh, if, if you've got equity in a project, it's it, you're sweating a little more than if you're just doing, you know, uh, production services or or something around along that that the box office doesn't really you know, matter to you. And plus it's changed, right? I mean, it used to be that there was, uh, you know, Siskel and Ebert that made the determination. Now, now it's all these bloggers. Uh, what do you I do to get them, get them on your side, I guess? Well, actually, you spend a lot of money and you <laughs> try to influence people by buying their attention. And, uh, and quite seriously, you really try to influence the blogospheres to not release, if they have comments, to not release comments. <laughs> and you try to structure an opening as best you can. You know, it's it's literally fighting against the tide because the world is filled with everybody's opinion now in the blogosphere. It's funny that you bring that up. We're doing a movie now called Odd Thomas, which is a Dean Koontz novel. And the director is Stephen Summers. And Stephen did The Mummy, The Mummy Returns. He's got $2 billion worth of box office. He's never done an independent movie, though. This is his first independent film, and it's a $35 million independent film, and it's a massive investment. And the real issue is, since Dean Koontz is popular, Dean Koontz has... 75 million dollars and I mean 75 million books published he's you know 23 best New York Times bestsellers and so <coughs> the challenge for us because the movie's not going to be out until the fall is to keep the bottle capped until then because people have seen some early stuff you right. know it, it gets out um, and so that's the big challenge nowadays is how do you contain the damage there's piracy that's a big issue that's you know in and your, your original question was what goes to the Friday night, how, how do we deal with it? I love it in the sense that I'm a theater person. I love openings. I think you get immediacy from the audience. You know whether you filmed it well. Like Peter said, it's terrific. If you have equity in it, you know, <laughs> how, you know what Monday's going to be like on Friday night. You, and usually you can find out that quick from the services that monitor you know, attendance. Um, so I love that aspect of it. It's a grueling. Thursday's grueling and Friday morning's grueling. But by Friday, there's no more questions to be asked. You know how the movie's going to be perceived by the audience and whether it's going to be successful or not. So I like that sense of 
being involved with the audience again. It's really the only time as a movie maker you get to really feel the audience's as likes. As opposed dislikes. to when you were an actor and then and you could really... And the stage work is totally different. You know right away when people clap and when they don't <laughs> clap. You know? Or, you know, they hiss. So. <laughs> That's bad. The, the crickets. They Tell me, uh, how did... People are so enamored with how the film business has grown in New Orleans. How did it all happen? Everybody hears about the tax credits, but I don't think people really know how it works and, and why it worked. What, what was it, Peter? Well, I, it, it really started from... Uh, um, a selfish standpoint because uh, I had left the investment world and 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 gotten into this business, and it was it, it was just tough to to, um, to to have you know use this industry or be in this industry full time. This industry, you know, most of the people that worked in it, if there was a big movie, you know, during those times like Interview with a Vampire or something like that, everybody worked. But if if you know an Interview with a Vampire is not in you can maybe pick up some commercials or maybe, you know, some independent movies that, you know, last, you know, a month or something. But people are starting to, they, they were, you know, working, uh, working waiting tables or, you know, bartending and that kind of thing. And, and it was literally one time when I was, I had become the film commissioner, uh, I was watching a movie called Vendetta, which I knew was based on a story in New Orleans. And the opening shot of this movie showed the French market and, the, and it was a it was a high angle camera that came down on a crane and it showed the French market with mountains in the background <laughs> and and a, a, like a, a modern roof and then it was it was completely not New Orleans and it was you look at a project like that and you know that they're they've gone someplace else to shoot this because of some reason or another and you know, meanwhile, everybody here that's in this industry is sitting around not doing anything. So it, it started, that's kind of what made it, everything start. They were shooting it in um, uh, Montreal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. And uh, I forgot <laughs> what they were using as Jackson Square was like a statue in the middle of a street. Mm -hmm. It was uh, They it had was, a cobblestone street, and that's what they figured was yeah. close enough. Yeah, it was, it, and, but it was a, literally a statue, in, and everybody was going around it, and they were like, oh, this is Jackson Square, and... It was, it was, As uh, natives, this made yeah, angry. right, right. Well, Canada had a really successful film tax credit program Huge. that was wiping out the United States film production business in what, the late 1990s, early mm -hmm. 2000s. And um, Peter, when he was the film commissioner at the time, had his office was involved and commissioned to study whether film studios would be viable options at that time and other things would be viable at that time. And we, had, I was a in the film business and we were producing and financing documentaries, kind of one-off feature films, and everybody, for some reason, it coalesced around a selfish idea. Like Peter said, we want the business because we want to keep working. And um, thankfully, there were a couple of state legislators who had bigger concepts than even, I mean, no one would have imagined back then. And, you know, you were involved in the ground floor. I was involved early on. And I remember testifying at one of these Senate hearings and House hearings. We had just done a small feature in in Lockport, Louisiana, and had booked up, you know, all seven hotel rooms in downtown Lockport, <laughs> and we bought all the flowers out of the flower stand, and the gas station was doing banner business that month or two. You know, like, we showed that this is a real economic driver, but I thought, you know, the film business is going to do fantastic. Instead of having three movies, we're going to have six. Yeah. Now we've got 60, and the numbers are staggering. So I don't know if anybody could have envisioned the massive success that we're having, but I think 
quite candidly, we all did it back then. And I know I pitched in and helped out as much as I could because I thought, man, I'm going to work as an actor more. You know, there's more opportunity. And never envisioning years down the road being able to actually be involved in the kind of financing and, and opportunity that exists today. It's well, why did it work yeah. here so well? I mean, other <laughs> states obviously have seen it. They want to copycat it. What, what is it that's given us this footage? Well, I think uh, places for like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, food. it's yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <Right>. Seriously, <laughs> we've got we've got the local people love coming here. That is that's that's a great um, you know plus. Um, but the the other thing is that there the industry that was here, the oil and gas business, which is and tourism business, which is you know obviously very prevalent here, um, lended itself to become you know uh, uh, or handle film production and and bringing in crews and 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 being able to handle everything that came came about. But it's 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 just been a New Orleans and Louisiana has been able to um, uh, take advantage of because I think our economy is really not that ju uh, diversified. And because we were the first ones, it started to grow so well. And some of these other states have had issues because it, they don't want, you know, other legislators are saying, what about this industry? What about this industry? So it, it hasn't worked. Education. Yeah, yeah right. So right. Hospitals. Hey. I'll hey. give you my two cents on this just real quick. People come here because of the tax credits. And tell okay. me, this the is business is nomadic. Yeah. How does it? What is the tax credit? Why is it so attractive? Well, it's, okay, it's a it's a simple function of economics. You have a job and you pay a hundred dollars to the state of Louisiana on your income tax. Instead of paying a hundred dollars to the state of Louisiana for your income tax, you talk to Mr. Loop or me or somebody else who's in the film business who has generated a tax credit by actually spending money in Louisiana, and we say. You know, Peter, instead of you paying the government $100 for your tax liability, why don't you pay me $85 for your tax liability, and I'm going to give you this credit, and you turn this into the state of Louisiana, and they're going to say, thanks for the credit, Peter. We'll, you don't owe us any more tax. You've paid $85, $85 for this. You've given film producers money to actually make movies and to bring films into Louisiana, so it's kind of a win-win. The film producer gets revenue money from essentially from the state of Louisiana via taxpayers who aren't paying their taxes to Louisiana. The taxpayer gets a benefit because he's not paying the full complement of his tax liability and the state of Louisiana, the argument goes, gets the benefit of mass employment in Louisiana, mass, quite frankly, marketing of the state, high promotion of the state, and really, you know, the film business now is the fourth largest employer in the state of Louisiana. It's economic sector goes through the roof and what they talk about the multiplier effect is the state spends two to three hundred million dollars on tax credits every year it's subsidizing the film business but it's also getting in return a significant return on that investment and so over time you know the hope is that this balances out and that it's a win-win for everybody and now that you've had so many movies here you've got you've built a a base for yourself right i mean in terms of the things that are available to a, a movie company now. right yeah i mean the 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 um when before, prior to the, the incentive program, there was probably, I'd say, 100 people maybe yeah. collectively in the state that, that made their uh, living in this business. And now there's probably, you know, that 100 percent, probably 1,500 to 2,000 people that work in this industry full time. And, uh, you know, and, and the salaries are, are not, you know, little salaries. The average salary in this business is somewhere around 
fifty or to seventy thousand dollars, something like that, for people that make you know a living in this business. So these people are sending their kids to school. They're out shopping every day. They're paying real estate taxes. The 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 um, the benefit far outweighs the uh, you know the 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 amount that the state is giving up in tax revenue. Now, when I think of the, the state uh, issues, for instance, we recently got Nucor, the steel company, to yeah. build a plant there. That's one of those situations where we're bidding against other states, where we're offering the best package, sort of basically, though, at least in the short term, giving away the farm and all. But this seems better. The tax credit system seems better. Uh, well, it's not a guess. You're not hoping Nucor comes, and you're not hoping Nucor hires 1,000 jobs or does 2,000 jobs. The film business has delivered. And the film business has grown over time, and that's the kind of the difference that I see. It's a, an investment into an industry that's actually delivered year after year after year and has only gone up in the sense of hiring more Louisianians, training more Louisianians. And the thing about this is that Peter and I have watched over the last 10 years is home ownership for people who are essentially n nomadic in their employment. And I've done films in Iowa and New York and New Mexico California, all over, and people do go where the best tax credit is, and Louisiana has two things about the tax credits here. Number one, as Peter said, the film production base is massive. It's no longer you just have one good crew and you can do a movie, and if you get that crew, boy, it's fantastic, but everybody else, you better be careful. Now we're literally nine crews deep, so we can staff major motion pictures, like we're doing this Tom Cruise movie in Baton Rouge called Oblivion or Horizon. It's going to one of those two titles. That's a $130 million film. Baton Rouge now gets these massive, massive movies because it's got these studio complexes. They come in, load in. The massive stars come in. They do their 10 weeks, 12 weeks of production work. And that creates huge economic opportunity in Baton Rouge. In New Orleans, we, we keep getting these massive productions, too, that are more location-based. You know, they do, f they you know, we're at Commanders. They filmed Brad Pitt movie, Benjamin Button's two houses away from here. You know, they still look for the charm. And so why do they come? You know, the tax, the economic opportunity is great. But, you know, when you film in Iowa and you eat at Applebee's every night, <laughs> and I don't care how good the production is, at the end of the day, you're kind of exhausted by that. And so literally, like, people love coming here because of the creature comforts that Peter was saying. You know, the tourism business lent itself perfectly to the film business, the hotels, people. We know how to treat people and on a large scale know how to treat them. And we also know how to avoid them. And they don't feel like, you know, we're on top of them. And, right, right. and that's also equally important when you have a star who says, yeah, I don't want to go to New Orleans because I always feel like I'm hassled. Or, no, they totally, they're perfectly fine to walk around and be ignored, just they like the rest of the New Orleanians, you know? <laughs> we give them the old New Orleans hello, where we kind of turn <laughs> our head away. On the other hand, the, the cool factor is pretty amazing. Our, our producer and I were talking earlier, and he saw Will Farrell at Community Coffee, and that, that leads to great conversations, you know? It's no doubt. Seriously, there's a few Never say you met the Nucor guy, you know? It's a Seriously. Door, one door beyond the Ben Button's house is, you know, Sandra Bullock. She own, owns a house right, right down the street here. Yeah. I mean, the people that, you know, and then a block and a half Further from that is John Goodman's house. So you wow. know, there are a lot of people Definitely. that live here. That Starbucks on Washington and Magazine is it literally yeah. like you see more stars there than you see <laughs> at the Starbucks on Sunset, <laughs> Los Angeles. Right, right. That's you know why they call it Starbucks. I, exactly. I no, I, exactly. I, That's why it's Starbucks. You know, we like to, to find out a little bit more. And I, right off the top Thank of the top of the uh, equation here, you have to talk. You guys have known each other forever. Right. So that's um, that's pretty exciting. Um, Peter, what do you? 
personal question. What do you do to stay in shape? You're in good shape. What, what is it you do? Uh, <laughs> well, let's see. I, I just try and go to the gym and, and uh, you know, uh, I have a weird habit of going to the gym very early in the morning. So I go to this 24-hour place and um, uh. at 4 in the morning because I used to swim and swimming got me up early. But uh, swimming, that kind of, just stay active. You I have look two good kids. Oh, that, 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 that helps, yeah. too. I was hey, going to say. I'll put you over the top. Yeah. They, uh, and, Michael, uh, how many days of Jazz Fest do you usually go to? Well, it's funny. Um, how many are there? <laughs> Let's see. I guess there's uh, seven, seven, right? Seven. Yeah, seven. <laughs> if there's six some years, I'll do six. If there's seven other years, I'll do seven. So you're committed. I try to go committed. every day, and I love it. I mean, that's part of great, great part of the culture. Like, Peter, I have two small kids, and this is going to be our first year where we expose our older son to the full complement of jazz festivals. Uh -oh. So it'll, it oh. should be fun. Yeah. Oh, uh -oh. that's great. <laughs> yeah. It's time to get those laminate pad yes. badges out. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. going to be great. And right now we're going to ask our, our producer, Grant, um, who has written us this week in our inbox. So what, what, is the, what is the magic question for this week? Uh, Peter, I've got a couple of questions here. The one I've chosen, I think, to kick off with um, is from a, a Twitter follower called at BunsenGB mm -hmm. who says, I keep hearing about films that are made but never get seen because they can't get distribution. How does one get to be a distributor? Is this a side of the film business that someone could start up locally? Well, it's a good question. Um, distribution has become, over the past few years, even more consolidated. It's harder and harder to get films distributed, even though the Internet's provided us unparalleled opportunity to actually get films out there. So the, the short answer is yes, you can become a distributor. You can actually start distributing films, your own films, and finding opportunity to kind of cut out the larger studios from the, the food chain, so to speak. For the major motion pictures, there are always going to be the studios. But I think more and more I'm finding that young, ambitious people who have the gumption to actually take on the responsibility and the opportunity can find ways to, to distribute movies. We actually had a film of ours that was shot here in New Orleans called New Orleans Mona Moore, which is a Michael Almereta film done right after Katrina. Um, kind of a, 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 a poem to New Orleans from this New York-based filmmaker. It was very esoteric. It was an art film. It wasn't meant for widespread distribution. But we had a, a guy who was from Baton Rouge, from New Orleans, living in New Orleans in Baton Rouge, decided he was going to get the film distributed because he wanted to see it distributed, took the opportunity to get it out there, and he's got a deal with Walmart now and got a couple of the deals. So the movie's going to have wider distribution than it had. It had original distribution on the Internet from um, Synetic Rights Media, which is one of these companies that you go online and you kind of download the movie for 12 cents, and, you know, I get, <laughs> I get a nickel, and, you know, oh after 7,000 downloads, I get the, <laughs> you know, check for 14 bucks and <laughs> I'm happy about it. So, uh, but anyway, yes, distribution's important. And, and, and the, I think the internet gives people the opportunity to try to do more distribution. Now, how do you connect? I don't know. That's yeah. a good question for Definitely. the next, next hour. <laughs> or, or, you know, you get, you get somebody, that's what, uh, you know, Mark Cuban did. Hmm. Cuban, Cuban got a little, he was upset with the way, you know, the, the, the large distributors had been doing business. So he went out and bought uh, a chain of theaters, you know, and he owned, what is it, uh, is it not HC Regal or Landmark? <laughs> Landmark. Yeah, Landmark Theaters. And, uh, and he's, got, he's got a television network. He's got a, a, um, a, a chain of theaters. So 
his company 2929 is able to they're able to produce movies and put them in theaters themselves so well that's uh, circumventing the problem that's yeah and, and he's doing he's doing more independent you know type films landmark theaters are, are known for the independent independent films and uh they you know he's it's like dealing with a different different animal dealing with uh, his company so what well that e what are we eating this is well, fantastic. It, it is. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it's been identified yet, but it's a wonderful meal. We'll, we'll have to get some details on this. The, uh, if you have any question or comment, except for exactly what we're eating here, which I don't have the answer to, uh, drop, it, drop it into Out to Lunch inbox at outtolunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us or, or on Twitter, we're at itsneworleans. So, uh, and, and we always bring in experts that have the answers to these questions, which is really great. You know, this is the time of the show where I usually... Um, mentioned that we uh, a publicly traded company here in Louisiana and I uh, over the weeks I've actually not mentioned the largest public company in Louisiana and that's uh, Entergy Corporation and uh, most people here think of it as is the is a power company that you send your uh, your check to every uh, every month but it's really a little bit more involved than that uh, of course they're in several states uh, Texas Mississippi um, they're over they're over into uh, and of course, in New Orleans is where, where, the, where the base of the company is, but they're in three different divisions. You've got the utility side, which is kind of a, uh, a real steady eddy business. It's uh, subject to rate approvals, uh, rather predictable cash flows. The other part of their division is that they own a fair number of nuclear power plants, uh, particularly in the Northeast. Uh, that's part of a, a division of the company that most people would not uh, think of. That business has been doing pretty well. Um, as oil prices go higher, nuclear, of course, is certainly controversial, but it certainly uh, stacks up uh, better. The real problem on this side is that natural gas prices are so low, and that's what they really compete against, and that's been a, a tough nut for, for nuclear. The third end is kind of interesting, and that's transmission, electric uh, transmission and this power business, and they have recently sold off that division uh, to a corporation called ITC. Now, Entergy shareholders, when this deal is completed, is, are going to end up with $1.75 billion in cash and owning half of ITC Corporation. So uh, the, the stock has a dividend yield of between 45 and 5%, and considering in a, in a CD you're getting, uh, I'm trying to think what that number is, zero. Um, that is actually, uh, <laughs> that is not a, not a bad, bad bat, and the stock sells at only about uh, 10 times earnings. Uh, you guys have been terrific guests, and you know, just as we were starting this, we were talking about how you've actually known each other uh, uh, forever, isn't it? it? It's really kind of a, a neat story. It's, it's, it's funny how, how Mike and I continue to, to you know, run parallel lives. It's because uh, even our kids are only, you know, it's not like we planned it, but our kids are only, a, you know, a couple years apart. Mm -hmm. so it's not like you, you met know. in Lama's class, right? Right, right. No. Before <laughs> that, there was a. But yeah. we're old to have kids, yeah. young kids, and uh, I'm 78. And <laughs> Peter's 73. That's the great part so, of radio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I think it's a New Orleans story. You know, it's kind of one of those typical New Orleans things where, um, you know, this is a city about relationships, about people knowing, you know, each other, working with each other, and and and, and kind of staying close over a long period of time. And I've had the pleasure of working in other parts of the country too, where you don't get that sense of continuity and community. It's one of the great things that makes us, you know, who we are as a city. Mm -hmm. and it's, 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 like here. it's the reason we, we spent, my wife and I, Raylan, spent 10 years in L.A. And uh, as soon as my oldest son, Peter, came along, it, uh, you know, we started kind of rethinking. It's like, well, maybe we should go back home and, and uh, you know, raise our kids back in New Orleans. So here we are. That's been the greatest. Now, yeah. Raylan is head of the, uh, is it the New Orleans uh, Film Society? Yeah, she's president of the board of the Film Society. So, 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 yeah. 
Well, that's she's, true. She's involved. She's also, she did, um, she was one of the producers that brought Jimmy Kimmel Live, uh, that show live, or, you know, on the air, back, uh, I guess, in the mid-hundreds. When was that? Mid-hundreds. Mid I don't know that's the mid Mid-2004. There's a... <laughs> mid-2000s uh something like that it's been a while but uh so she's uh, she's in this business as well well that's uh that's great and, and one question i think some listeners are probably wondering is uh should they try to be an extra in a movie definitely get in the film business is that kind of fun absolutely get in you know it's it's interesting to see the other side you never really watch a movie again the same way once you've been an extra on a set and you've sat for 12 hours and you've watched <laughs> this dinosaur slowly creep along in its last dying breaths and finally crumble and fall, you realize what it, what it takes to make a movie. I mean, it's a long process, it's a tremendous amount of work, and you get a totally different appreciation when you sit as an extra and go through the process. I think it's fantastic for everybody. Well, now, you guys are experts. Is there a couple of movies we should see? The Artist is great. The Artist is really good. Yeah, That's, that's a silent movie. I think that Hugo's yeah. a terrific movie. Haven't seen Hugo. That was War Horse is, uh, you know, perfect Steven Spielberg movie, very emotional with a kind of sappy ending. You know, <laughs> he gives you the terrific action stuff and then the sappy ending. But it's it's a great it was a g actually a fantastic play on Broadway. And it's a it's a solid, solid movie. Um, but the artist is the thing that kind of yeah. stands out for me. It's the most, you know, it's a silent film. So it's unique in and of itself. You know, it's kind of definitionally different than everything out there right now. But um, it's spectacularly acted it's and great. beautifully composed. And it's and that was uh, premiered here in New Orleans yep. uh, for the film festival. For at the film festival this past October, mm -hmm. so. Wow. Yeah. Solid. And I also have to say, you know, go see Contraband, because that was yeah. one of our movies, mm -hmm. so. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good movie. So it's an so Isla to, uh, Icelandic uh, director named Balthazar yeah. Komachor, who uh, is doing another, you know, he takes on these kind of wild, ambitious projects. His next thing is called Vikinger, and he's built an authentic replica of a 13th century Icelandic village in northern Iceland oh, that you only have like four weeks to film because right. it's all covered and it's in still snow. Cold. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I do not believe they have a commander. No, there, he hasn't. <laughs> they, uh, they, By uh, the way, they don't have any tax credits and no actors are willing to go. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> the chances of that being at a theater near you are slim. Yeah. <laughs> Peter Loop, Michael Arata, thank you so much for joining me today on Out to Lunch. We all know a heck of a lot more about uh, Hollywood South than we did uh, 30 minutes ago. Uh, thank you both for, for coming today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been film producers and financiers Peter Loop and Michael Arata. For more information about Michael's and Peter's film finance and production service companies, follow the links on our site, itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Com Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and is performing our theme music. You can keep up with our continuing adventures in commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com, including Happy Hour and Mindset. If you have a question or issue you'd like brought up on the show, drop us a line at outtolunch at itsneworleans.com or tweet us. We're at It's New Orleans. Thank you to all of our friends at WWNO, New Orleans source for NPR News, and thank you for joining us at lunch today. Until we meet around the table here at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Raschuti. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. <laughs>